Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Ole, 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 ole. I think those are the words. I think it's just ole, 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 ole. It never changes. Ole, ole. It never changes. Ole, 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 ole. I don't know. Wow, that that was a lazy lyric lyricist right there. I'm pre- isn't it just a soccer chant? I don't know. Is it a real song? I guess the song that you were kind of singing before we started recording that made me go into that was that, but it was also that song from Eurovision that was they sang last night. The cantare, oh, that one. Oh, volare. Volare, yes. cantare. Cantare? Uh, is cantare a word in it? I don't know. Uh, cantare, uh, that sounds like um, maybe a word in a, a sci-fi series or a fantasy novel or something. Yeah, I'm going to go with high valerian. There we go. High, high valerian, cantare. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What, is, what does cantare mean in high valerian? Uh, cantare, sit down. <laughs> cantare. Yeah. I like it. Sit down. It is. It is very well. It is a very it's direct a very sounding yes. word for yeah. high valerian. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like was um, typically a very, very more, flowery yeah, language. Yeah, yeah, a little more fluid. So when you tell someone to, and and, and really it it translates directly to sit down, but what it means is sit the fuck down. Cool. 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 Like yeah. I like right that. now. Yeah. Or I'm going to chop your head off. Like that. It, it means all that. Ass down. Sit your ass on the ground because I'm about to rip you a new one. It's it, so it's the it is the um the uh the conjugation of sit down that is only usable by the royalty. Yes. And that it's like cantare. Yeah. Uh, in in court when they're punishing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like it rise for the verdict, but instead it's. Sit your ass down and listen to the verdict. Yep, I like it. <laughs> Cantare. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, any uh, sci-fi writers out there that want to use that, you just contact me. I'll, I'll happily write a uh, really interesting language. <laughs> yeah. And any linguists out there who want to correct us and tell us what cantare actually? <laughs> I'm means, sure it actually is in many languages. The the odds that that is a real word in some language are pretty high. Are pretty high. Uh, um, yeah. But I'm gonna steal it anyway. Great. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so, hi if you, everyone. Hi, how you doing? If you want to uh, write in and correct us on our horrible language use, um, you <laughs> for can, our literary podcast, you can you can find Campfire Classics on any of the social media, or you can shoot us an email at fifty fifty artsproduction at gmail Feel free. I'm, I'm getting this out of the way early because Ooh. sometimes I feel like it gets buried at the end. Buried. Um, yeah. Please do reach out and talk to us. Let us know what you think of this and other episodes. And uh, what else? Oh, stay tuned for the end of the episode where we will give you the secret passcode that you can share when you when you email Which us. Which makes you super cool. Yeah. It just yeah. means we like you more. That's all. 
it means we like you more. Let's be real. Yes, much, yeah. much more. Yeah. Like we like you so much more if yeah. you've listened to the whole episode. Mm-hmm. But hi, I'm, I'm Heather, and this is Ken, and um, we're gonna just shoot the shit today a little bit and read some stories. Yeah, that's yeah? sort of what we do. Yeah. Um, hang out, chit chat. Well, and technically, right now you are in Utah, and I am in Iowa, probably. Yeah. Because when so, this gets released, so we're re- recording this the day before Ken leaves for his next job. Yeah. And you're, I mean, I guess whenever, so we're always talking to you, dear listener, from the past a little bit. Just a little. But now it's a little extra from the past. Yeah, we're recording That's like all. a week and a half early, basically. Because yeah. we were like, well, Ken's going to be in his first week of rehearsals in Utah. And uh, we don't want to have to try and record remotely during that. And we had such an exciting 100th episode where we were actually in the same room. We're like, let's record another episode in the same room before we're not in the same room again. Yeah. Yeah. So this is officially our Dalmatians episode. (laughs) 101. Oh, yay. Puppies. Uh, Which is why I am covered in black spots. I mean, you are wearing black pants, as am I. Yeah. You're wearing black and white and I'm wearing black and white. Yeah. So good, good job. Yeah, we are. We are actually both wearing black and white. <laughs> we are not lying to you right now. <laughs> I wish we'd planned that. I wish. I wish we'd been that cool. Yeah. But What's yeah. What's the song so, they sing in 101 Dalmatians? Uh, uh, Cruella, Cruella de Vil. Oh, yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah it, well, Cruella it's also Deville, in the, it also ends Cruella the uh, Cruella movie. Deville. Um, if the character she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. Yeah, she's like a spider waiting for the kill. Cruella, Cruella, Cruella Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was a fun little teaser at the end of the Cruella movie because she kind of it's kind of the the making of Cruella. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, it was on. So on the ship, they had occasional, not as many as like before COVID, but occasionally they had a crew movie night in the theater. Mm -hmm. And one of the ones they did for us was Cruella. And so like the whole cast went, because most of us had not seen it, surprisingly. Um, But it's freaking great. It's it's really... Like it get one Academy Award for like best costumes and stuff. I mean, it it's, looks real pretty. It yeah. So it's super fun, but it's kind of like the making of the villains like situation or the misunderstanding of the villain situation. I'm interested to see if they do a sequel because they set it up for it. Right. Um, with yeah, they they set it up so something more of a sequel than just the animated movie. Than just the she's... animated movie. Yeah, I, I like with actual like. Uh, like 20, 30 something Emma Stone as opposed to like that 70 year old crazy lady. Right. I wonder if in the sequel she's going to get bitten by a radioactive puppy killer and that's what turns her into the psychopath she becomes. <laughs> or maybe she gets pushed into a vat of... Well, she's kind of already a psychopath. You gotta see the movie. Right. I mean, she she fully admits to her, uh, her instability, I guess, because it's, you know... Um, but it's not what you would expect, you know, like, I like that. It's, it's interesting. It's a good movie. You should check it out. Cool. Uh, I will have time. You will. Ha- well, I don't know if you will have time. You're going to be eventually, rehearsal. eventually you'll have time. I mean, I have like 12 series I've been told I must watch. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'll get to it. Like I'll get to stranger things. Better call Saul. Um, let's see what else have people told, uh, the morning show, uh, there's just, there's just, there's so many series that are on my, my list of things I need to watch, but I continue to watch Naked and Afraid XL instead. So, yeah. So I, where, where for me, I still haven't seen Breaking Bad. However, what I did do 
um, over the quarantine, well, over the most recent chunk, when I was staying uh, in North Carolina, what I did do is start a rewatch of Power Rangers. Um, <laughs> different show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. slightly. Just... Do you hear the Red Ranger got arrested? Why? Um, apparently he got like roped into some sort of pseudo pyramid scheme thing where he ended up, uh, uh, tricking people out of like millions of dollars. It was him and it wasn't just him. It was a, f- a few other people. But Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ooh, I guess, I guess Ranger pay isn't very good after retirement. Well, it wasn't very good even when they well, were I'm, doing yeah, it. Yeah, because I mean, um, that was a pretty low budget show. It was, it was a non-union yeah. television show. Uh, and three of them uh, quit pretty early on yeah. because they were like, this is dangerous. This is garbage. This is well, dangerous. This they were is, like the- doing their own stunts. And yeah. also like they probably weren't getting uh, the money they deserved for the success of the show. Right. <laughs> like they had action figures. Yeah. I doubt they were getting any sort of commission on those or anything. And they should have been. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, but yeah, that's, that's what it came down to is they just felt like they, they weren't getting the money they deserved for the hours they were putting in and for the money they were making for their producers. Well, um, that's why we love our unions. Yeah. Yes, we love our unions. Yeah. Uh, here at Campfire Classics, we're very pro-union. We're very um, pro-union. We're both in the actors' union. I don't think there's a podcasters' union. <laughs> let's Though start it, a podcasters' union. That would be freaking huge because I'm pretty sure about 92% of the world has a podcast now. Yeah, everyone has a podcast. So you just have to decide if you want to unionize your podcast. And what what would what, what, what our union be called? Let's see. Uh podcasters of the world so uh, no i needed a good acronym uh podcasters <laughs> podcasters united we're called pu <laughs> <laughs> do you have a good one over there you're thinking, I'm, I'm very, thinking hard. very hard <laughs> no i don't oh, okay well then we'll just stick with pu yeah cool pu i was trying to turn it into punt <laughs> oh that's kind of fun yeah uh but that also kind of sounds like my favorite word, yeah. which I won't say, so you don't have to add a meow word. Pod, podcasters union, no touching. No. T- <laughs> well, I guess there is no touching because you're at microphones. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of works, I guess. <laughs> sounds more like an anti-harassment uh, ad for podcasters or something. The, oh, no podcasters touching. union, no touching is the uh, is the the anti-sexual harassment <laughs> policy for that podcasters. comes out through PU. PU. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. It's like the just day uh, of uh, shut it. Down. Shut it down. <laughs> no touching. Punt. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of no touching, um, uh, let's read a story. <laughs> that on the list of your best segues of all time, I don't think that cracks the top 10. What are you talking about? Um, that was amazing. It was, uh, well, I, I guess it remains to be seen if the story is this week is particularly about no touching. I don't know be, what it's about. Then, then it could be an accidentally brilliant segue. See, there you but go. Otherwise, don't, uh, don't, don't naysay me until we know. I, I'm naysaying with caveat. With caveat. I am potential caviar, naysaying. But not caviar. Not caviar. I don't have caviar. Okay. Um, I don't particularly like it anyway. But yeah, so what do we do? We don't we don't touch on this podcast, but we do read stories. Why don't you tell people about that, Ken? Right. So this is... That this, was better. That was a... That was better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is not a... Um, 
Well, this is not a particularly pro-union podcast, although we are pro-union. This is not a Power Rangers fan cast, and this isn't a movie podcast. This is, in fact, a literature podcast. Literary comedy. Literary comedy (laughs) podcast. Um, As we've already admitted to, not really, like, for you to correct our linguisticsness. Yeah. Linguisticsness? Yeah, exactly. It's, no, it's it's great. Our I, I do think our grasp of the English language is a little rough, and I think sometimes our grasp of comedy is a little rough, but we call it a comedy <laughs> literature podcast anyway, um, where every week we, we take turns uh, reading short stories that we find out of the public domain. Um, we read them sight unseen so we're hearing them and reading them for the first time just as you are listening to them for the first time or maybe you already know the story I don't know your life Uh, and along the way we look up words that we don't recognize we comment on outdated language and the questionable social norms and mores that existed when the story was written that maybe don't anymore mores like eels yes yeah yeah. okay yeah, because since uh, s- since 1927, when uh, when public when all stories came into public domain, the moray eel has gone extinct, and so it's oh, just not around anymore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, I've completely lost track of my train of thought, but also <laughs> penis jokes happen. Yes, they do, as, as um, per usual. Yeah. Yes. Uh, something about an eel. Yeah, well, eels and penis jokes, something about an eel. Slithering penises. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So uh, before we get there, Heather is going to. So Heather has a story for me to read this week. Yay. Um, I haven't picked a story for Ken in so long. It's been a minute. Uh, (laughs) But before we get there, she's going to read me uh, some fun facts about something to get us in the mood for the story. So I believe this is a new author for us. Now, I I did not go scan every single um, story that happened while I was away. I listened to most of them or at least was aware of most of those those stories. So I think this is a new author. Okay. His name is Frederick Schiller Faust. Okay. He was born May 29th, 1892. And he made a deal with the devil. Uh, He did, and it was to not go by that name. So his (laughs) writing name, (laughs) because he he was an American author, but he primarily was known as Max Brand. Okay. Was his primary. He also used the pen names of George Owen Baxter, Evan Evans, David Manning, John Frederick, Peter Moreland, George Callis, and Frederick Frost. So sure. he did make a deal with the devil not right. to use the name Faust. Just so. anything to not use that goddamn birth name. Yep. So, uh, but I'm going to continue to call him Faust as we talk about this. Right. So Faust was born. He never officially changed his name. That was just his pen name was Max Brand is the way most people know him. He branded himself as Max Brand. Max Brand. Max Brand. Was born in Seattle and spent most of his childhood in California. As a young man, uh, his parents both died relatively young. And so he worked as a cowhand on many ranches in the San uh, Joaquin Valley in California. Uh, He then attended University of California, Berkeley, where he began to write a lot for the uh, for publications, poetry, uh, occasionally newspapers. But he didn't get his degree because he was deemed a troublemaker. So I... I'm going to this this might get cut because it might be nothing. However, 
I know what a cow hand is. But as soon as you said that, I imagined that he got hired as the guy who does like chores for cows because cows don't have hands. So he's there to like get things off the get top the shelf, shelf for, for them. the cow and feed the cow and wipe the cow's butt. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, he, okay. Like I immediately pictured this dude who was hired to be the hands for a cow. I mean, that's kind of what cow hands are. They take care of the cows. But right. Like, I, I don't think the cows are making the requests. I think it's the uh, the rancher. Right. You know, but, you know. go around and milk the cow and feed the cow and whatnot, yeah. but not like... Not get things off the top shelf. Hey, can you change the channel? I've seen this one before. Yeah, yeah. This is this friend's episode is... I, I, I don't like Ross so much. <laughs> can Who we, does? Yeah, true. So he uh, he dropped out of school. He was a troublemaker, and so he began to travel. He joined the Canadian Army at night uh, in 1915, but deserted the next year. <laughs> so, like, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. He also wasn't Canadian. No, he wasn't. I, I guess they were willing to take him anyway. <laughs> the Canadian Army. You want to join? <laughs> I mean, really? how much work does the Canadian Army do? <laughs> let's Let's be real. They stormed the beaches at Normandy. Yes, they did. Well, yes, and we're that's actually going to tie into some stuff. Okay. Um, ooh, foreshadowing. Accidental um, segue. Uh, he deserted the next year and decided he wanted to pursue being a professional writer, so he moved to New York City, where he met his wife, who he was married to until he died, and they had three children. Uh, but... So there wasn't, there's not a lot about him before he became who he was, but once he became who he was, he was a big deal. So by the early 1920s, Faust or Max Brand wrote extensively for pulp magazines, especially Street and Smith's Western Story magazine, a weekly for which he would write over a million words a year. Good Lord. Under very, I don't think I say a million yeah, words a year. Under various pen names. So, uh, he did this. He was considered one of the highest paid writers of his time. Uh, ironically, Faust did not love his commercial success. And the only time he used his actual name to publish anything was for his poetry, which he called his true vocation. Huh. So he wrote all these like he was very, very well known. And I'm going to name some things that you're going to be like, oh, I know that. Um, but the only thing he put his true name on was poetry. Huh. Um. It's, it's kind of like actors who were like, yeah, I'll do commercials and I'll do like, I'll do the like silly, silly musicals, but I only use my real name when I do Shakespeare. Like right. that, it's that, it's that sure. kind of feeling like, you know. Sure, sure, sure. The, um, the, uh, the mayhem guy. Who, oh, yes. Who, who trades on his commercial fame yeah. to like. Go do like go do summer Shakespeare that yeah, he cares about. Which, yeah. you know, hell hell yeah. <laughs> if if only we could all be so lucky. Right. Uh looking for commercial work now, Heather Michelle Lawler. <laughs> um so at one point he was getting paid by Warner Brothers because they commissioned for him to write um some westerns at the time. Uh they were paying him three thousand dollars a week. Huh. At the time, that was about a year's salary for an average person. <laughs> So a week he's making that. Sure. There um, are times when that's about an average yearly salary for me. <laughs> you know, it happens. Um, he he made a fortune from MGM Grand because they used uh, his series of Dr. Kildare stories. Okay. Which I, I have heard of, but I'm not a big Westerns person. But this one I do know. 
1930, he wrote Destry Rides Again. Oh. Which was turned into a very famous uh, movie in 1939 starring Marlene Dietrich and James Stewart. Right. Um, and then it's been remade a few times, but then it also was turned into a Broadway musical starring Andy Griffith. In 1959, oh, Destry Rides Again is a musical. I did not know that. There is actually a, there's a song I used to sing from it. I cannot, <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, it's kind of like a, um, Paint Your Wagon. It's one of those, sure, like, yeah. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. It's a, it's a Western. Um, So, he kicked ass, basically. So, he's doing well, he's doing well. And then during, uh, uh 19, in 1944, we all know what's going on in 1944, Faust was working for Warner Brothers, and he was just sitting around having a casual, casual conversation one afternoon with some other writers and Colonel Nee, who was a technical advisor from D.C. So anytime they were doing like war stuff, he was like an, mm-hmm. an advisor. So they're sitting there drinking whiskey. Great. Like coming up with good ideas. Yeah. And Faust, deep in his cups, says he wants to get assigned to a company of foot soldiers so he can write a story that is accurate about the war. So he is like, I really want to go over there and like experience the war and, and write about it. And even though he was middle aged and he had a heart condition from a uh, heart attack when he was about 21 um, that didn't kill him, but left right. him with heart disease. He managed to become a frontline war correspondent. Thanks to Colonel Nee, who is like, I can get you that position. All right. So he goes over, he's famous because everyone knows his writing. So the soldiers love him. But unfortunately, in Italy in uh, May 12th, 1944, he was wounded by shrapnel and died. Oh. So he died at war. But uh, he was personally commended for bravery by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt um, because of why he was over there. He wanted to tell accurate stories. And so unfortunately, we lost him earlier than we should have. That sucks. But he. Despite him dying in like early 50s, in his early 50s, uh, he wrote more than 500 novels for magazines and almost as many stories in uh, shorter length. He had a total output estimated to between 25 million and 30 million words <sighs> on paper. Most of his books and stories were turned out at breakneck rate. So he was doing about 12,000 words in the course of a weekend sometimes. These stories, new books based on uh, his magazines, uh, characters, or what what are unpublished continue to appear. So they have he has stuff that's still showing up. Um, Faust actually averaged a new book every four months for seventy five years. Is like how much writing wow. he had left over. Yes. Beyond this, um, he's still being reprinted and Destry Rides Again is still uh still published deal, is yeah. still a published book to yeah. this day. Um so everyone knows Mr. Max Brand slash Frederick Schiller Faust or Evan Evans is he he uh the the story we're gonna read today and Destry Rides Again was first published under Evan Evans. Evan Evans. Evan Evans. Evanescence. Evanescence, yes. Okay. So today you're reading, and I picked that I purposefully found a desert story for you because okay. you're going to be in the desert of Utah when this comes out. Thank so you. That's I did this on purpose, and it sounds exciting. Today you're going to be reading Wine on the Desert, as in drinking wine. I was going to say, is that wine with an H? No, it's wine with an I. <laughs> it's the wine Heather likes. Uh, wine on the Desert by Evan Evans. Let's start this fire. 
Wine on the Desert by Max Brand. There was no hurry, except for the thirst, like clotted salt in the back of his throat, and Durante rode on slowly, rather enjoying the last moments of dryness before he reached the cold water in Tony's house. He liked the dryness? Apparently. I love being thirsty. It's my favorite thing in the world. At least when you're thirsty. Well, maybe Tony had really shitty water. You don't have to pee. (laughs) That's true. There was really no hurry at all. He had almost 24 hours head start, for they would not find his dead man until this morning. After that, there would be perhaps several hours of delay before the sheriff gathered a sufficient posse and started on his trail. Or perhaps the sheriff would be fool enough to come alone. Oh, damn. Okay, well, we just learned a lot about that guy. He likes being thirsty and he killed somebody. That that was a... That was an abrupt shift in tone. That was an that was a introduction to this guy. Yep. <laughs> Durante had been able to see the wheel and fan of Tony's windmill for more than an hour, but he could not make out the ten acres of the vineyard until he had topped the last rise, for the vines had been planted in a hollow. The lowness of the ground, Tony used to say, accounted for the water that gathered in the well during the wet season. The rain sank through the desert sand, through the gravels beneath, and gathered in a bowl of clay hardpan far below. In the middle of the rainless season, the well ran dry, but long before that, Tony had every drop of water pumped up into a score of tanks made of cheap corrugated iron. Tony's a smart dude. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, he knows his way around the desert. He knows his way, and I feel like Tony is responsible for Napa Valley at this point. (laughs) Like, he may well be. I mean, he sounds like his guy has a vineyard in the desert, and yep. like you look at like half the vineyards in California and the West, and they are in the desert. It doesn't make sense that they should that anything should that live there. Nothing should live there, but somehow they make wine. It's because human beings sometimes are smart. Yeah, especially when it comes to alcohol. Mm. <laughs> it is interesting to be reading a Western quote unquote that isn't about whiskey or like I was like wine all right classy westerners yeah well hey listen a cowboy will get drunk on anything it's it's true it's true slender pipelines carried the water from the tanks to the vines and from time to time let them sip enough life to keep them until the winter darkened overhead suddenly one November day and the rain came down and all the earth made a great hushing sound as it drank Durante had heard that whisper of drinking when he was here before, but he never had seen the place in the middle of the long drought. The windmill looked like a sacred emblem to Durante, and the twenty stodgy tar-painted tanks blessed his eyes, but a heavy sweat broke out at once from his body, for the air of the hollow, unstirred by wind, was hot and still as a bowl of soup, Ew. a reddish soup. Ugh. He's very, I like his descriptors. Yeah. It's very, very theatrical. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I don't, uh, well, yeah, he was already working for Warner Brothers at this point, like solidly. So yeah. yeah, very theatrical. The vines were powdered with thin red dust also. They were wretched dying things to look at. For the grapes had been gathered, the new wine had been made, and now the leaves hung in ragged tatters. Durante rode up to the squat adobe house and right through the entrance into the patio. 
A flowering vine clothed three sides of the little court. Durante did not know the name of the plant, but it had large white blossoms with golden hearts that poured sweetness into the air. Honeysuckles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, that sounds like what that flower should be called. Honeysuckle. A honeysuckle. Golden heart. I like that. Yeah. Um, Durante hated the sweetness. It made him more thirsty. <laughs> oh, I thought you liked being thirsty, bitch. <laughs> He liked being thirsty until he, he got real thirsty. Yeah, he, he was enjoying the dryness and then... Uh, and then he walks through the hollow, that like area, and he's like, okay, yep. I'm freaking hot. Okay. And I, I, I poured out so much energy last night killing people. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> just, I'm thirsty. After all this murdering, I just really need a drink. <laughs> just really need a drink. Maybe some wine. <laughs> he threw the reins of his mule and strode into the house. The water cooler stood in the hall outside the kitchen. There were two jars made of a porous stone, very ancient things, and the liquid which distilled through the pores kept the contents cool. The jar on the left held water, that on the right contained wine. There was a big tin dipper hanging on a peg beside each jar. Durante tossed off the cover of the vase on the left and plunged it in until the delicious coolness closed well above his wrist. Hey, Tony, he called. Out of his dusty throat, the cry was a mere groaning. He I was wondering where Tony was. I'm like, yeah. he just walked into this dude's house and was like, mmm, water and wine. Great. Thanks, Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tony is just desert Jesus. Desert Jesus. Okay. I love it. Tony. Except Jesus was kind of desert Jesus. Yeah, I guess he was. He, Tony is a American desert Jesus. Sorry. Sorry, Scientologist. <laughs> he's. Oh, those are Mormons. He is out west. Wait, Maybe he's Mormon Jesus. Mormon Jesus. Tony. Tony. Tony is Mormon Jesus. Well, I don't think Mormon Jesus likes wine. Oh, yeah. Which is a real shame. <laughs> Get it together, Mormons. Yeah, now I'm now I'm just, now I'm lost. I yeah. have no idea who, who Tony Let's is. Let's find out Jesus who Tony of. is. <laughs> Tony is Cowboy Jesus. Cowboy Jesus. Love it. He drank and called again, clearly. Tony! A voice pealed from the distance. Durante, pouring down a second dipper of water, smelled the alkali dust which had shaken off his own clothes. It seemed to him that heat was radiating like light from his clothes, from his body, and the cool dimness of the house was soaking it up. He heard the wooden leg of Tony bumping on the ground, and Durante grinned. Then Tony... The wooden leg of Tony? Is he a fucking pirate? <laughs> uh, possibly. Yes, I'm excited. So Tony is pirate Jesus. Pirate Jesus. <laughs> then Tony came in with a hitch and side swing with which he accommodated the stiffness of his artificial leg. His brown face shone with sweat as though a special ray of light were focused on it. Ah, Dick, he said. Good old Dick. How long since you came last? <laughs> his name's Dick? Yep. Dick Durante. <laughs> Dick Durante and Pirate Jesus. Having, having a little chat. That is a much better title for this story. Dick Durante, Dick Durante and, and Pirate, Pirate Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> well, when we do the film adaption of it, that'll yeah. be the yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah, Dick, he said. Good old Dick. How long since you came last? Wouldn't Julia be glad? Wouldn't she be glad? 
<laughs> Ain't she here? Asked Durante, jerking his head suddenly away from the dripping dipper. Like Dick's jerking his head? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just just wanted to check that yep. that was what the sentence said. Yep. Okay. <laughs> They're mu- they must be very good friends. <laughs> uh, well, clearly. Yeah. She's away at Nogales. Nogales? Nogales sounds right. Nogales? Yeah. Great. She's away at Nogales, said Tony. It gets so hot, I said. You go up to Nogales, Julia, where the wind don't forget to blow. She (laughs) cried, but I made her go. (laughs) Did she cry? Asked Durante. Julia, (laughs) that's a good girl, said Tony. Yeah. You wouldn't throw some water into that mule of mine, would you, Tony? Tony went out with his wooden leg clumping loud on the wooden floor, <laughs> softly into the patio dust. Durante found the hammock in the corner of the patio. He laid down in it and watched the color of sunset flush the mists of the desert dust that rose to the zenith. Ooh. <laughs> the water was soaking through his body. Hunger began, and then the rattling of pans in the kitchen and the cheerful cry of Tony's voice. What do you want, Dick? I got some pork. Mm, You don't want pork? I'll make you some uh, good Mexican beans. Hot. I have plenty of good wine for you, Dick. Tortillas. Even Julia can't make tortillas like me. What about a nice young rabbit? Damn, Pirate Jesus is like, he's the shit, he's, man. Yeah, he's a good he's host. A, he's got his water. He's watering his mule. He's making him fresh freaking tacos yeah. and giving him like wine. I mean, like, and he's, his friend's just laying on a hammock and recovering from murder. It's fine. He, yeah. hasn't, he hasn't told his friend yet that he murdered somebody and the sheriff might be on his way, of course. Yeah, yeah, not yet. <laughs> um, Dear listener, if you're listening to this on the day it dropped, uh, happy Taco Tuesday. Go eat some tacos. Oh, yeah. Hi, Taco Tuesday. And what about a nice young rabbit? <laughs> All blowed full of buckshot, growled Durante. No, no. I killed them with a rifle. You kill rabbits with a rifle, repeated Durante with a quick interest. It's the only gun I have, said Tony. If I catch them in the sights, they are dead. A wooden leg cannot walk very far. I must kill them quick, you see. They come close to the house about sunset and flop their ears. I shoot through the head. Wow, is this my dad? (laughs) (laughs) Dad really hates the rabbits in our backyard. Uh... What's his name? Um, Old Man McGregor? Old Man McGregor. Farmer Farmer McGregor? Very very Mr. McGregor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, muttered Durante. Through the head? He relaxed, scowling. He passed his hand over his face, over his head. Then Tony began to bring the food out into the patio and lay it on a small wooden table. A lantern hanging against the wall of the house included the table in a dim half-circle of light. They sat there and ate. Tony had scrubbed himself for the meal. His hair was soaked in water and sleeked back over his round skull. A man in the desert might be willing to pay five dollars for as much water as went into soaking of that hair. (laughs) Everything was good. Tony knew how to cook, and he knew how to keep the glasses filled with wine. Damn right. (laughs) This is old wine. This is my father's wine. Eleven years old, said Tony. You look at the light through it. 
You see that brown in the red? That's the soft that time puts in good wine. My father always said. Damn, Tony's the shit. <laughs> I like Tony. Tony's doing a wine tasting now. He's yeah. like, he's like, you got to look at the clarity and the color. It tells you a lot about the wine. <laughs> he's he's gonna he's gonna spin it around the glass yeah. next. You know he's smell. swirling it. He's now not a sniff it. What do you smell? That's called time. That's called the desert. <laughs> what killed your father? Asked Durante. <laughs> Tony lifted his hand as though he were listening or as though he were pointing out a thought. The desert killed him. I found his mule. It was dead, too. There was a leak in the canteen. My father was only five miles away when the buzzards showed him to me. Ooh, shit. Five miles? Just an hour? Good lord, said Durante. He stared with big eyes. Just dropped down and died, he asked. No, said Tony. When you die of thirst, you always die just one way. First, you tear off your shirt. Then your undershirt. That's to be cooler. And the sun comes and cooks your bare skin. And then you think, there's water everywhere. If you dig down far enough, and you begin to dig. The dust comes up your nose. You start screaming. You break your nails in the sand. You wear the flesh off the tips of your fingers to the bone. He took a quick swallow of wine. Holy crap. This guy's naked and afraid in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you've seen a man die of thirst, how do you know they start screaming? Asked Durante. They got a screaming look when you find them, said Tony. Take some more wine. The desert never can get to you here. (laughs) My father showed me the way to keep the desert away from the hollow. We live pretty good here, no? Yeah, said Durante, loosening his shirt collar. Yeah, pretty good. Afterward, he slept well in the hammock until the report of a rifle waked him and he saw the color of dawn in the sky. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. It was such a great round bowl that for a moment he felt as though he were above, looking down into it. He got up and saw Tony coming in holding a rabbit by the ears, the rifle in his other hand. You see, said Tony, breakfast came and called on us. He laughed. Bunny time. Mm, Bunny for breakfast. Bunny for breakfast. Durante examined the rabbit with care. It was nice and fat, and it had been shot through the head, through the middle of the head. Such a shudder went through the back of Durante that he washed gingerly before breakfast. He felt that his blood was cooled for the entire day. (laughs) There is something weird going on. Like, I don't know who he killed or what the circumstance was, but it's like... yeah. Sketchy. Yeah, I'm like, did he kill this guy's wife like, that went away? Uh, did he, like... Did he kill Julia? I know. Now, now I'm like, oh, shit, what'd he do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's something something creepy going on here. <laughs> it was a good breakfast, too, with flapjacks and stewed rabbit with green peppers and a quart of strong coffee. Before they had finished, the sun struck through the east window and started them sweating. Rabbit pancakes. Rabbit pancakes. Rabbit and pancakes. That's, that's like some. That. That's some desert and the green chili. This green is very, chili. very like Santa Fe, yeah. uh, New Mexico feeling right now. Yeah. 
Give me a look at that rifle of yours, Tony, will you? Durante asked. You take a look at my rifle, but don't you steal the luck that's in it, laughed Tony. He brought the 15-shot Winchester. Load it right to the brim, asked Durante. I always load it full the minute I get back home, said Tony. Tony, come outside with me, commanded uh-uh, Durante. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Oh no, what's going to happen? What are you doing, dude? He's about to be stupid. <laughs> they went out from the house. The sun turned the sweat of Durante to hot water, then dried his skin so that his clothes felt transparent. Tony, I gotta be mean, said Durante. Stand right there where I can see you. Don't try to get close. Now listen, the sheriff's gonna be along this trail sometime today looking for me. He'll load up himself and all his gang with water out from your tanks. Then he'll follow my sign across the desert. Get me? He'll follow if he finds water on the place. But he's not going to find water. <gasps> what you done, poor dick, said oh, Tony. Oh, Jesus. Now, look. I could hide you in the old wine cellar where nobody... The sheriff's not going to find water, said Durante. It's going to be like this. He put the rifle on his shoulder, aimed, fired. The shot struck the base of the nearest <gasps> tank, ranging down through the bottom. A semicircle of darkness began to stain the soil near the edge of the iron wall. Tony fell on his knees. No, no, Dick, good Dick, he said. Look. <laughs> Get on your knees and yell, good Dick. No, Dick, no, good Dick. Fell on his knees. No, no, <laughs> no Dick, good, no. good Dick. <laughs> Look at look, all the vineyard. It will die. It'll turn into old dead wood, Dick. (laughs) I hate when it's old dead wood, Dick. (laughs) Shut your face, said Durante. Durante sucks. Now I've started. I kind of like the job. Tony fell on his face and put his hands over his ears. Durante drilled a bullet hole through the tanks, one after another. Afterward, he leaned on the rifle. Durante sucks. Yep. Take my canteen, go in, and fill it with water out of the cooling jar, he said. Snap to it, Tony. Tony got up. He raised the canteen and looked around him. Not at the tanks from which the water was pouring so that the noise of the earth drinking was audible, but at the rows of his vineyard. Hmm. Then he went into the house. Durante mounted his mule. He shifted the rifle to his left hand and drew out the heavy colt from its holster. Tony came dragging back to him, his head down. Durante watched Tony with a careful revolver, but he gave up the canteen without lifting his eyes. The trouble with you, Tony, said Durante, is your yella. I'd have fought a tribe of wildcats with my bare hands before I had let them do what I'm doing to you. But you sit back and take it. Tony did not seem to hear. Yeah, Tony, Tony's just a nice guy sitting in his winery hosting you at his Airbnb and you're a fucking twat bag. I'm really hoping that Pirate Jesus gets his, oh, he's like, gonna, gets his, like, he's, he's gonna. I'm hoping he has put a hole in the canteen so uh, uh, Durante dies like his dad did. Oh. He put a hole in all his, yeah. his water sources, so. Bye-bye. <laughs> Teeny tiny hole so it's like dripping really so slightly. Yeah. That's some 
That's some poetic justice. Or he put wine he put in wine there. Put wine in it. <gasps> so it's going to dehydrate him. He put wine in it. That's my oh, guess. Oh, shit. Go do it. <laughs> Tony did not seem to hear. He stretched out his hands to the vines. Will you let them all die? He asked. Durante shrugged his shoulders. He shook the canteen to make sure it was full. It was so brimming that there was hardly room for the liquid to make a sloshing sound. Then he turned the mule and kicked it into a dog trot. Half a mile from the house of Tony, he threw the empty rifle to the ground. There was no sense packing that useless weight, and Tony, with his peg leg, would hardly come this far. Durante looked back a mile or so later and saw the little image of Tony picking up the rifle from the dust, then staring earnestly after his guest. Durante remembered the neat little hole clipped through the head of the rabbit. Wherever he went, his trail never could return again to the vineyard in the desert. But then, commencing to picture to himself the arrival of the sweating sheriff and his posse at the house of Tony, Durante laughed heartily. The sheriff's posse could get plenty of wine, of course, but without water, a man could not hope to make the desert voyage even with a mule or a horse to help him on the way. Durante patted the full, rounding side of his canteen. Mm -hmm. He might even now begin with the first sip, but was a luxury to postpone pleasure until desire became greater. About five miles out? Here we go. About five miles out? Here we go. (laughs) He raised his eyes along the trail. Close by, it was merely dotted with occasional bones. But distance joined the dots into an unbroken chalk line which wavered with a strange leisure across the Apache desert, pointing toward the cool blue promise of the mountains. The next morning, he would be among them. A coyote whisked out of a gully and ran like a gray puff of dust in the wind. His tongue hung out like a little red rag from the side of his mouth, and suddenly Durante was dry to the marrow. He uncorked and lifted the canteen. It had a slightly sour smell. Perhaps the sacking which covered it had grown a trifle old. Mm -hmm. And then he poured a great mouthful of lukewarm liquid. He had swallowed it before his senses could give him warning. (laughs) Yep. It was wine. Yeah, it was, bitch. (laughs) He looked first of all toward the mountains. They were as calmly blue, as distant as when he had started that morning. 24 hours, not on water, but on wine. Yep. I deserve it, said Durante. I trusted him to fill the canteen. I deserve it. Curse him. With a mighty resolution, he quieted the panic in his soul. He would not touch the stuff until noon. Then he would take one discreet sip. He would win through. Hours went by. He looked at his watch and found it was only 10 (laughs) o'clock. And he had thought that it was on the verge of noon. He uncorked the wine and drank freely, and corking the canteen felt almost as though he needed a drink of water more than before. Yep. He sloshed the contents of the canteen. Already it was horribly light. (laughs) Once, he turned the mule and considered the return trip, but he could remember the head of the rabbit too clearly drilled right through the center. Yep, bitch. She gonna shoot you if you turn around. 
the vineyard, the rows of old, twisted, gnarled little trunks on the bark peeling off. Every vine was to Tony like a human life, and Durante had condemned them all to death. He faced the blue of the mountains again. His heart raced in his breast with terror. Perhaps it was fear, and not the suction of that dry and deadly air that made his tongue cleave to the roof of his mouth. The day grew old. Nausea began to work in his stomach, nausea alternating with sharp pains. Yes, stupid man. When he looked down, he saw there was blood on his boots. He had been spurring the mule until the red ran down its flanks. Rude! Yeah. Now the mule's gonna be like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) It went with a curious stagger, like a rocking horse with a broken rocker. Durante grew aware that he had been keeping the mule at a gallop for a long time. He pulled it to a halt. It stood with wide braced legs. Its head was down. When he leaned from the saddle, he saw that its mouth was open. Yep. It's gonna die, said Durante. It's gonna die. What a fool I've been. The mule did not die until after sunset. Durante left everything except his revolver. He packed the weight of that for an hour and discarded it in turn. Mm -mm. His knees were growing weak. When he looked up at the stars, they shone white and clear for a moment only. Then whirled into little racing circles and scrawls of red. He lay down. He kept his eyes closed and waited for the shaking to go out of his body. But it would not stop. And every breath of darkness was like an inhalation of black dust. He got up and went on, staggering. Sometimes he found himself running. Before you die of thirst, you go mad. (laughs) He kept remembering that. His tongue had swollen big before it choked him. If he lanced it with a knife, the blood would help him. He would be able to swallow. Then he remembered the taste of blood is salty. Mm -hmm. Once in his boyhood, he had ridden through a pass with his father, and they had looked down on the sapphire of a mountain lake, a hundred thousand million tons of water as cold as snow. When he looked up now, there were no stars, and this frightened him terribly. He never had seen a desert night so dark. His eyes were failing. He was being blinded. When the morning came, he would not be able to see the mountains, and he would walk around and around in a circle until he dropped dead. No stars, no wind, the air as still as the water of a stale pool, and he in the dregs at the bottom. He seized his shirt at the throat and tore it away so that it hung in two rags from his hips. Naked and afraid. He could see the earth only well enough to stumble on the rocks but there were no stars in the heavens. He was blind. He had no more hope than a rat in a well. Ah, but devils know how to put poison in wine that will steal all the senses or any one of them. And Tony had chosen to blind Durante. Oh, shit! Not only did he give him wine, he poisoned the wine? Yep. I love Tony. (laughs) (laughs) He heard a sound like water. It was the swishing of the soft, deep sand through which he was treading. Sand so soft that a man could dig it away with his bare hands. Afterward, 
after many hours, out of the blind face of that sky, the rain began to fall. It made first a whispering, and then a delicate murmur, like voices conversing. But after that, just at the dawn, it roared like the hooves of ten thousand charging horses. Even through that thundering confusion, the big birds with naked heads and red, raw necks found their way down to one place in the Apache Desert. (laughs) The end. Yes! (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) That was some, like... That's that. I mean, that's revenge horror. That like, yeah. I, I find myself very reminded, weirdly, of like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, yeah. We basically told him, he's like, if you leave here and you don't have water, you're gonna die, like my father did. Yeah. And then he proceeded to take all his water from him and his plants. Yeah. And then threaten him. It's. I mean, he. Mm, that's what you get. He screwed up. That's what you get. See, that's why you don't, that's the gods. Uh, that's very much, uh, you, uh, you can't, when you're the guest in someone's home, like don't, don't treat them like, like you have to be good. Yeah. Same with, if you have a guest in your home, you treat them good. So. Uh, well, and, and so here's, here's the, the happy ending cherry on top of the delight revenge. Yeah. Um, if he was clever, Tony could go patch his tanks yes. and refill them because it started raining. Yes. No, exactly. Because it rained in the non-rainy season. Yeah. Like really hard. Yeah. Pretty great. Nice. That was a good one. That was I a liked, good one. I liked that one. That was a fun one. Um, I feel like there was a lot of that story that was just the just just me reading. <laughs> I was very into it. Yeah. Like it was, I I was I was it was very it was very theatrical. Yeah. Like very cinematic. Yeah. Like I can see that movie. I can see it. Yeah. I can um and yeah, what the really cool imagery and I I also got thirsty while you were reading it. Like my mouth is actually quite dry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I could use some water actually. Yeah, I got kind of thirsty too, but that's because I picked two sort of gravelly cowboy voices. <laughs> well, they're cowboys, so that makes sense. <laughs> Pirate Jesus got his revenge though. So yeah. that's Ooh. That's the title of the movie, The Revenge of Pirate Pirate Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) 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 All right, filmmakers, let's do this. (laughs) We got, I mean, he's already an established uh, name in film, filmography and uh, and theatrical words. So, yeah, I could, uh, it'd also be a really dark, twisted musical. The Revenge of Pirate Jesus, the musical. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or you could also do it like it's a, um, like a, a film noir where you open with him uh like falling down in the desert mm-hmm. and then it's and then it freeze frame back. it's freeze frame and you just hear i bet you're wondering how i got here yeah oh yeah <laughs> which is how a lot of that's how the movie maverick starts with uh mel gibson that i just rewatched because my friend had it on the hard drive and on the ship yep. and uh that's exactly how it starts he's like roped up to a tree and like the guy leaves and he goes 
I guess I should explain how I ended up in this situation. And then yep. it goes back to that. It's one of my favorite Firefly episodes, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one where... Uh, Which is like a Western. They, yeah. they, they run the heist on the floating island yep. planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it starts with uh, Nathan Fillion naked on a rock in the yep. middle of the desert. Yep. It's like... Let me tell you how this happened. That's very, very much a Western conceit. Yep. Like it, so it, that absolutely works. I'm just glad Pirate Jesus got his revenge. Yeah. That's all. Because Dick was a dick. <laughs> dick had an apt name. Yep. Also, we never found out who he killed. No, we didn't. Apparently that part didn't matter. Apparently. Because <laughs> he died anyway. Because he died anyway. The sheriff never caught him. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think, listener? Did you enjoy that one? Uh, that's a, a little bit of a turn from our usual slightly more upbeat stories, but I, I liked it. I mean, it was pretty upbeat. It was just like, I was just really into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, there were there were a lot of dick jokes in there. I mean, his name was his Dick. His name was Dick. And yeah. the guy kept getting on his knees and talking about bad dick and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what you gonna do? <laughs> well, um, let us know if you like that one. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you hated that one. Let us know if you didn't listen to that one. <laughs> and if you made it this far and you let us know you didn't listen, then what have you been then doing for the past hour? Really strange. <laughs> um, yeah. So shoot us an email or a social media message to to let us know your your thoughts, feelings, and deep dark secrets. And also, um, that was a cautionary tale for Ken as he heads into the desert. Yeah, I'm not going to murder anyone. Well, don't murder anyone, but also, like, make sure you have water, not wine, in your canteen. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, too. Yeah. That too. <laughs> that was more of the story I was going for. I was, I kind of assumed you weren't going to murder people, but now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, no, I just said I'm not going to. I'm okay. definitely not going to murder anyone. Okay. Just drop, I'm not going to murder oh, anybody, okay. Okay? Okay, okay? And I'm definitely not going to torch a desert vineyard. That would, I would be mad at you. We would have to have a chat after that. Um, oh, that's the problem. Murder is like, yeah, you probably had your reasons. You know, some people but- suck, but like, <laughs> like, but no, no need to be picking on the wine. <laughs> Don't pick on the wine. <laughs> it got many of us through the COVID-19. So. <laughs> it did that. Um, yeah. So uh, send us your thoughts. Send us uh, your feelings. Send us. Um, What's our secret password? What you think is the greater crime, murder or vineyard destruction. <laughs> yeah. And send us this week's secret password, which is Deadwood Dick. Deadwood Dick. <laughs> uh, which is a don't Google that, guys. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Probably give you links to that show, Deadwood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, which is a Western. Mm -hmm. All right. Deadwood Dick. Deadwood Dick. (laughs) Um, Oh, and uh, I've been really bad about, you know, asking people to do this. But if you've been enjoying the podcast um, and if you're still listening at this point, I assume you've been enjoying the podcast, please Please do like tell someone else. Yeah, tell your anyone else. Just like just tell someone that hey, here's this podcast, and um, I think you'd enjoy it because that helps us um, way more than you could possibly know. Yeah, Um, that's that's better than us being on social media and all this stuff. It's word of mouth. Yeah, spreading spreading because a single recommendation from a friend is 
a hundred times more likely to get a new listener than all of the advertising yeah. we could possibly do. So yeah. please, if you if you know someone who you think would enjoy this, recommend it. If you hate someone you think would hate this, recommend it. Yeah, because like at least they'll listen once. At yeah. least they'll listen once. Um, and then subscribe and, you know, like us and write a review on um, whatever whatever Apple app it is podcast, you're listening. Whatever it is, uh, yeah. Because that helps us out too. Yeah. Um, Cool. That's all I got. That's Anything all I got. to share? That's all I got. All right. Well, then, until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. yippee ki Till the break of day. Hey, dude. <laughs> Sorry, that just seemed appropriate. <laughs> Deep full. Was that deep dig or deep dick? (laughs) You'll never know.